Welcome to Wisdom of Wanderlust, a podcast for travelers by travelers. I'm Michael Bennett, co-founder of ExplorerX. As a seasoned traveler, coach, and educator, I've dedicated my life to supporting people just like you and becoming the hero of their own story. And I'm Robin Goldblatt, a lifelong globe trotter, avid outdoors woman, and health nut, driven by my relentless curiosity and compassion for our world. Join us as we explore and discuss how to travel better and how to live a better, more fulfilling, and more mindful life. Hey, everyone. Welcome into Wisdom and Wanderlust. Today, we're going to be joined by one of the Explorer X travel coaches, Becky Rupp. Becky is awesome. She's a personal trainer, a health coach who left her job in corporate America to start Trailblazer Wellness which is her company that has the goal of helping people get physically fit and give them the strength and stamina they need to enjoy the travel experiences that they've always dreamed of having. On this episode, we're going to talk to Becky about her work as a health coach and why this line of work is so near and dear to her heart, some of the challenges and obstacles people often face in their wellness journeys and how to overcome those, Becky will also share some of her best practices for preparing for and getting the most out of your travel experiences. Michael, I'm really excited for this conversation with Becky. Are you ready to get going? Let's do it. You're inspiring me to do my daily check-in of Yakutsk, Siberia. Ah, yeah, tell me how cold. city on earth. It's minus 36 right now. Uh Uh-huh. Ooh. In Yakutsk, but the, the okay, the wind the wind chill is the same. Usually it's like fifteen degrees colder. I saw it was like minus fifty seven wind chill the other day. Oh, so Robin, where do you want to just get get rocking and rolling here? Yeah, let's do it. So let's set the stage a little bit, Becky. So sure. you are in Slida, Colorado. So what what does your life look like out there these days? Yeah, so I'm based in Salida, Colorado, which is in the heart of call it the heart of Colorado and the crossroads of various intersections here right at the base of the Continental Divide. So actually on the east side of the Continental Divide, and I look out my window at the at the top of the Continental Divide and 14,000 foot and 13,000 foot peaks all along the ridge outside my window. And on the other side of that is, of course, where where the water flows to the Pacific and I'm on the Atlantic side. And um, life out here is pretty good. I um, We have a ton of different recreational opportunities. We have, it's winter right now, so skiing is top of mind. We have a local mountain called Monarch Mountain. Actually is visited from people all over the country, but a little lesser known than our neighbors to the north in, in Summit County and Vail and those kinds of things. But we have our ski mountain. We have a world-class rafting, whitewater rafting in the summer on the Arkansas River. We have tons of mountain bike trails, hiking trails, the Colorado Trail, which is a, you know, kind of a point-to-point popular route, uh, runs just along the side, this side of the ridge here. We have the Continental Divide Trail as well, just again, right along the top of the Continental Divide or along the edges of it. And Pretty much any outdoor activity that you want to do, you can do within probably half an hour of here. So amazing. And you, you officially work for the tourism board of Salida. Is that correct? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) 
I don't, but it's not hard to, <laughs> it's not a hard sell. Um, you know, it's amazing. I run into people in the most unusual places, uh, Belize and Spain and Italy who know about Salida, Colorado, because it's just this wonderful little hub of all these fantastic things to do. And we also actually also have a little artist community in town. So it makes it appealing as well. When it's featured in a lot of lists of best small towns to live in. So I think it's probably where a lot of people have heard of it. I know it's where I heard of it initially. Yeah. 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 I think I did my longest mountain bike ride out there, the Monarch yeah. Crest Trail. The Monarch Crest, like thirty yes. something miles. Yes, as a yeah. matter of fact, yeah. um, I actually also in, in my one of my other jobs. So one of the running jokes in Salida is that um, there's an S on the side of the mountain. It looks kind of like a five, and um, there's a running joke that you need to have five jobs to live in Salida. So one of my five jobs <laughs> is uh, yes. one of my five jobs is I work at the ski resort, uh, actually uh, on the events team. Um, another is that I'm of course a personal trainer and a health coach. But another job I have is I manage a fundraising event for the local organization that helps survivors of domestic violence, and we have a mountain bike ride fundraiser mm. on the Monarch Crest Trail. So it is a very famous and popular cool. route. So we do this fundraiser where you pay an entry fee and you get shuttled up to the crest and you ride the 30 miles and you come back and we have normally a big party. Last year we did a little different, but um, normally we have a big post-ride party (laughs) and um, raise a bunch of money for our local organization called the Alliance. That's so cool. It's a great ride. The the views are amazing. It is. (laughs) It's absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Literally and figuratively. It's at 12,000 feet. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, 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 right. So Becky, you're, you are a personal trainer, health coach, the founder of Trailblazer Wellness. And Trailblazer is a company that helps people gain the strength and stamina to enjoy the experiences they dream of having, right? So let, let's start here. Yes. When we say the word health coach, you say the word health coach. What does that mean to you? What does that, how do you define that? Yeah, as a health coach, what I really do is help people develop their own personalized plan to improve their health based on their preferences, their strengths, and to reach the goals that they want to reach. So it's more of a coaching role in terms of of supporting and facilitating their your development or my client's development. Um, instead of, and it can be in, con, in com, combination with providing specific, you know, guidance or specific training plans. So as a personal trainer, I provide somebody a training plan and they go do it. As a coach, I work with them more holistically on how to how to make it work for them on a long-term basis or um, to help them reach a goal in their own way instead of just you know, giving them plan and setting them free to go do what they need to do. So it's really more collaborative mm-hmm. and supporting and guiding uh, someone on their journey to better health, uh, whether that means, you know, taking a particular trip and, and achieving a specific goal related to a trip or just an overall lifestyle in longevity and things that they want to do, you know, not just in the next year, but five years, 10 years, helping them to really develop a lifestyle that is, um, again, helps them achieve 
and live the, the healthy life that they want to live. So do you get into nutrition and diet and all of that as well and other other forms of wellness beyond physical wellness or do you focus mostly on physical wellness? I actually, I know that as a health coach, I do support people more comprehensively in their overall health. And that can mean nutrition for some people. It can mean sleep. It can be mental well-being. It can be yeah. really a variety of things. I am not a dietitian or a nutritionist, so I don't provide specific advice on that level, but I do support people in finding the resources and doing and making the lifestyle changes that they need to make. So it's kind of a fine line and it's based on uh, what I'm qualified to do. I am qualified as a personal trainer, so I can provide exercise plans and those sorts of things. But when it comes to nutrition, it's more general guidance and support. And if that for someone means, hey, I just want to you know, tweak my diet, I want to remove these kinds of things or add these kinds of things to my diet, I work with them to figure out how to make that happen. Um, and if they need specific dietary advice, say they have a, a medical condition or allergies or um, other things that are more detailed, then I have um, friends who are dietitians and colleagues who professionals who are trained to provide that specific guidance, give them the real kind of day-to-day nutrition support. So as a health coach, you're mostly focused on fitness practices. So what would you say the difference is between fitness and health? I would say there's not necessarily a difference between fitness and health. Fitness is a component of health. Being physically active and moving has been proven in many, many, many studies to be a pretty critical component of overall health and well-being. And so if you're eating great but not exercising, you know, or the flip side, you're you're exercising but not eating great, you know, you're you're not having a holistically healthy life. So and also other components, you know, sleep and stress management and other things, all are components of overall health. And fitness is, you know, an activity is just one piece of that. So it's a sub sub piece of, of overall health. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind. I think I know for myself and for others that we talk to and work with, keeping the interconnectedness and interrelatedness of all of this in mind is so important, right? That if you don't sleep well, you're less likely to make good food choices. You're less likely to have the energy to exercise and move and work out and do all of, those things, all of that stuff. And then that just snowballs, right? And it makes it right. worse over and over and over, day, over, day after day after day. And so the you know, add in mindfulness, add in meditation, right? Add in a million other things as well. But the, they're all so important. And they all, the same way they can compound each other negatively, they can compound each other positively as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the better sleep you get, the more likely you are to make better food choices. And that's going to give you the energy and, and you're going to feel better to go out there and exercise more. And that's going to make you more productive at work. And that's going to help like all of this, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the health coaching, again, I, I look at, I work with people um, and, and support them across all those different areas. And then if they want or need specific expertise in a particular area, you know, I can refer them to 
specific individuals or resources. But as a coach, you know, um, really can provide guidance because so much of it is self-determination and it's so important for people to develop their own approaches or find their own pathways to, to doing what they want and need to do to improve their health. You know, how many times do people go to the doctor and the doctor says, exercise more, eat better. Okay, that's great. Now what? Um, and finding your own way to do that is so much more effective and uh, sustainable than just, you know, getting a getting a list of things to do from somebody else. Because it has to work with your lifestyle. It has to work in the bigger mm-hmm. picture of what, you know, what's going on with you. And only you know that. So Becky, one of the things that you make a, you emphasize often when we chat is the importance of finding and understanding the deeper why for people. You know, why do they want to improve their health? Why do they want to improve their fitness? Right. And so that's sort of what you're getting at here a little bit is understanding the motivations behind it so that you can actually help work with them to create a plan that will actually, in fact, improve their fitness and help them get healthier. Right. Yeah. It's really important to identify why this is important to you on a really a deeper level. You know, that is what will keep you motivated and in the long term. You know, you can be motivated in the short term by a specific, you know, goal like a, a vacation or um, an event or things like that. But to really understand deep down what it means to you will help you, you know, get out of bed on that day that it's really tough to get out of bed and, you know, go do what you need to do or make those choices and to eat well and exercise and sleep and take care of yourself because, you know, you know, you really know what you're doing it for. So for some of my clients, you know, that's, wow, I really want to be able to have great quality time with my kids or my grandkids, for example, for those who, you know, who do have children. And Mm -hmm. that can be extremely motivating um, when they think down the line about what they want to be, how they want to show up for their families, how they want to, for others, it's, you know, I really want to live an independent life well into my 70s, 80s, 90s, and that starts now. And um, if I make changes now, then I'll really be able to achieve that. So it's important to understand that foundational why and that motivation, mm-hmm. that tr- intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. uh, to keep you on track and keep you coming back to to do the things that just, uh, they aren't easy, right? Like it's not easy day in, day out. There's a lot of competing priorities sure. and, yeah. and that's what keeps you grounded. How do you use those motivators to really personalize and tailor their their program? Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it really c- can come down to, it can be as, as little as the day-to-day or week-to-week things that they do in helping them see that connection between those day-to-day and week-to-week things that they do, whether it's just substituting, you know, apple for potato chips or going for an extra walk, um, helping them see the connection between that and what they ultimately want to achieve or their ultimate goal. Or it can be as big as, you know, planning out the three to six to one year, two year, even five year goals. It's interesting to look at how 
those goals, you break them down into those chunks of time and back them down to get to that week level or even daily level. So I want to, you know, be able to play with my grandkids. Okay, well, what does that mean? What do you want that to look like in a year? Okay, well, what do you want it to look like in three months? So what do you want to look that to look like next week? Um, so really breaking it down into those smaller, more manageable pieces is how, you know, you, you kind of take the big picture and then chunk it down. It's like the old phrase of eating the elephant, right? <laughs> you just got to get it back down to one bite at a time. Yeah, yeah. So Becky, you know what what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me in the focus of the why. One of the things that we talk a lot about at ExploreX is the idea that for those people that are going on a trip, right, and they want to go on this inner journey of learning and growth and transformation and change, it, it does start with why. And, and a lot of folks tend to start or think about what, what do I want to get out of this trip or what do I want to do on the trip? But we always try to get them to focus, just like you do, more on the underlying motivators of why they're going, what, you know, what is inspiring them to want to travel, what's calling them to this adventure in the first place, because that really gives life, breathes life into the what, which ultimately leads to the how, right? How do you need to be? How do you need to, what do you, like, how are you approaching this trip, right? How are you developing a health and, and fitness practice? But all of that is empty and a bit shallower without the why as the foundation for that. Right. Without the why, it's easy to just go through the motions or not go through the motions at all because you're just like, it's just another thing to check off the list. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're really focused on the why, it gives you that purpose and that foundational fortitude to keep going Mm -hmm. when you have that out in front of Mm -hmm. you kind of that carrot that's out in front of you that you want to get to. Yeah. You know, what you're saying reminds me a lot about this book. I was reading this book by Trip Lanier, not a sponsor, called This Book Will Make You Dangerous. And one of the things he talks about in the book, he does a lot of coaching with men. And he says he oftentimes will ask them, okay, why are you here, et cetera. And they always, oh, I want the bigger house, the bigger car, the bigger bank account you know, the prettier wife, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what he's uncovered is it really, truly what they want are not those things, right? What they truly want are the feelings and the emotions that they believe will go along with having those things, feeling successful, feeling alive, feeling a sense of peace, feeling love, right? And so what he does, and I think what you do is bring people back and say, yeah, okay, it's not about having 8% body fat. It's not about climbing Kilimanjaro. It's about feeling a particular way, having certain emotions that you are craving in your life. And this is this is a, a good and a healthy, but a proxy for that, right? This fitness goal. Yeah, exactly. And that you want to feel, you know, whether it's you want to feel strong and capable and confident and prepared, you know, yeah, it is. It's very, a very emotional thing that is really at the root of it. And again, that's where you can derive your strength to keep going when you know that you're going to feel a certain way and have the things and feel the way that you want to feel by taking these steps and in doing this action. So what are some of the most common obstacles or challenges that you 
see your clients or that anyone who is not a client, but is just working on a, a health and fitness goal, what do they seem to, where do they seem to stumble? And then part two is how do you help them overcome and navigate through those challenges? Yeah, I think, you know, probably the number one struggle that, that most people deal with is the 24 hour day and seven day week, right? There's only so much time and there's so many things that are competing for our time and attention and energy. And so how do you prioritize those things and how do you not just get sucked into a rabbit hole of spending a bunch of time on something that, you know, isn't necessarily getting you to where you want to go um, and how you want to be and to our earlier discussion, how you want to feel. And, but yet, you know, it's just so many people just, you get out of bed and the, you know, your phone's already going off and there's 20 messages in your inbox, hundred messages in your inbox. There's so many things that pile on and pile on and pile on that sorting through that and prioritizing is one of the biggest things that I, I end up working with people on is how do I, how do I prioritize my fitness practice, my health, my, the things that I want to achieve for those purposes when there's so many other things that quote unquote have to get done. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people come to realize is that when they do invest the time in fitness and health, they, you know, a couple of different things. One is they get more clarity around those priorities and how to sort through what is really important and has to be done or that they really want and need to do versus the things that are just kind of sucking up their time and energy. And then that when they do take care of themselves, they have more energy and kind of almost counterintuitively, they have more time. Sure. It seems mm-hmm. like for them to be able to do those other things. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is for, for somebody who's caught in that hamster wheel, it's really hard to see that if I carve out, you know, a certain amount of time to, to do these things that I'll ultimately have more time and energy to, to really do it because it seems like the pie is an in, is a static, you know, there are only 24 sure. hours in a day, mm-hmm. but if you use those, you know, some of those hours a little differently, it pays off in terms of having the energy to do more later. It seems paradoxical, they're counterintuitive that if I invest more time in this, then I'll actually have more time for that. You, you may or may not have more time, but you'll have better focus. You'll have, you'll be mm-hmm. more efficient you'll be more thoughtful and and the payoff will be better than just continuing to plug away and just, you know, go through the motions. Right. There's a lot of research that says that the most creative people are the ones that are also the most routine oriented, right? Because they don't, they don't have to make decisions about what am I going to eat this morning? What am I going to wear today? They just, they know in my case, I have eggs and a banana and a cup of coffee every morning and I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. what I'm going to what I'm going to eat and make, taking 5 or 10 minutes to make a decision there right and that that's 5 or 10 minutes that I can put into a deeper meditation or I can use to work out right and it's so it's it's again as you said paradoxical but a lot of the most creative people are also the most routine oriented which is fascinating yeah and in terms of getting there you know it's 
it's incremental. So people don't just jump right in and go, okay, now I'm going to set aside an hour to exercise and everything will magically be better. Let's be clear. That's not how it works. Um, It's really a step-by-step process where you start, you know, you start doing things a little differently. And like you said, maybe it's um, finding a, a, a good nutrition routine that you can really just settle into and have dialed in so that you don't have to spend a lot of time and energy on, you know, what am I going to eat this morning? Oh no, I don't have it in the house because I didn't plan for it and I didn't buy the right things. You know, once you kind of get those smaller pieces in place, then you do have that a little, that more time and then you start a fitness routine or you increase or, or you optimize your fitness routine so that you know, you know what you're going to do, you do it, and then you reap the rewards of that Mm. through your improved energy and improved outlook and and just really being able to manage things better. It happens over time. It's certainly not a flip of a switch. Mm -hmm. No. And that's like, it's really important to a couple things there. One, all of that just goes back to the importance of the why. Right. If you're going to stick with a plan, if you're going to stick with a routine, if you're going to stick with a mm-hmm. regimen, if you're going to really, yes. you've got to stay connected on a day to day basis to that why and not focus on the, I want, you know, six pack abs or I want this or I want that. It's why I'm doing this in the, in the first place. And that's what's going to keep you going and motivated day to day to day. The second thing is, like, that is also really important that you're bringing up is that, and, and I'll, I'll relate this a bit to travel, but then let you talk about it from a health perspective is that. A lot of times people that we see come back from a trip and they they have these grandiose ideas about these massive changes that they're going to make to their life. And some are actually able to do that, right? But but oftentimes what we find and what we often encourage our travelers to do is start small, right? Don't bite off more than you can chew, right? As you said earlier, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So what are some of the things that you like to do to get people kickstarted on their health and fitness journey? that will create this platform for them down the line. Yeah, I love to work with people on figuring out what they can kind of build into their life that works for them and that they can that's helpful and sustainable. And doing that one again in those smaller smaller parts to start. And sometimes it involves some experimentation. So you might come back, you might have this idea that I want to walk a half marathon. That's one of my clients has that goal. She wants to walk a half marathon, but she also suffers from migraines. And so having a walking routine where she gets up and does a certain amount every day is really hard for her when she wakes up and has a migraine. So she needs to figure out and we figure out together, we collaborate on figuring out, okay, so if you have a migraine this day, what does that look like the next day? And and she has to be a little more flexible and may not be able to be as dialed into a specific routine every day. So it's really a matter of figuring out how it works for each individual person in their own circumstances. So she may say, well, then I'm going to do a few, a little bit more on the next day when I'm feeling better and adjust, you know, based on her real life circumstances. Because again, I can give somebody a plan and say, you need to walk X number of miles each day or each week. But for some people, that's going to be different. It's going to look different based on their, their real life situation. And if you give somebody just a stringent plan and they can't do that for whatever life Mm -hmm. reason, 
then it's easy to just give up. So that's where the experimentation comes in. And, you know, week to week, we say, well, how did that go? Well, what worked? What didn't work? And how can that be adjusted? And we brainstorm different solutions for how to get to the ultimate goal. And it may take, you know, a different way than you originally mm-hmm. thought. It is kind of like travel, right? Sometimes, you know, getting from point A to point B yeah. ends up yeah. <laughs> taking a different route than you originally planned. But when you have the support and when you have the motivation and the why that, you know, can keep you going instead of just throwing in the towel. Mm-hmm. Do you find, I'm going to ask a, a, a travel related question here, you know, some of the most beautiful moments and lessons that we yeah. learn from travel are on these spontaneous and organic moments where, you know, maybe things go sideways or maybe the unexpected happens to us and it opens up this entire new door and opportunity. Have you found that to be true in, in health coaching and in, in, in as a personal trainer where you'll start down a particular path with a particular goal with someone. And then, you know, at some point along the way, this entire new opportunity or thing opens up and then you just sort of shift course and go there. I would say like for, okay, I ha, yeah, I thought of a situation. So one of my clients, one of the things she wanted to incorporate into her life more was meditation. And she saw that as, you know, maybe a five to 10 minute practice and, you know, just to kind of help, you know, give her some, you know, peace of mind, mindfulness, all the, you know, kind of all the usual things. Well, she went on a, a, a retreat at a actually not too far from here, that was um, really focused on, it was almost like a monastery and it was focused on living, kind of being quiet and being with yourself and that sort of thing. And she came back from that, was like ready to meditate for like 20 minutes to half an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, she just really found that that was something that she connected with and that she just kind of like, was like, wow, this was really a bigger piece of what I want as in my life than I realized before. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. <laughs> I think a lot of us are learning similar lessons from the pandemic, right? Like we have all these grandiose plans of where we're going to be and what we're going right. to do. And we've been forced to step back and you know, something that I've taken away from this, one of the benefits that I've experienced is, you know, I think anyone who knows me would say that I'm, I have a degree of control freakedness to me, but I've really learned that there's only so much that we can control, you know, in our lives. And while we can control our emotions and behaviors to a degree and all of that stuff, there's just a lot we have to let go of. talking a lot about travel. So Becky, why did you decide to focus your health coaching practice on helping travelers get ready for their trips? So I was working with a client who wanted to make some lifestyle changes. She wanted to change her, you know, become more active, get better, get more fit. She wanted to make some changes to her diet, add in meditation. And as we explored the reasons behind that, one of them was to be able to do more traveling now that she had retired. Mm. And, you know, she'd been behind the desk and raising kids for the last, you know, 20, 30 plus years. And while she was fairly active, she just realized that 
she really wanted to be in a better place to be able to do more international travel, to do some volunteering while she was traveling, and keep up with her kids, her grandkids, keep up with the group, and just be able to fully participate and be a part of that experience. And I thought, well, of course, that makes sense. There's so many people who, as they get older, the part of their biggest plans are to travel and do these things. And yet they've not necessarily spent a lot of time on their health and fitness uh, during their career as they were raising kids, as they were climbing the corporate ladder, putting in, you know, all the all the time and all the focus on those things. Now that the career is wrapping up, the kids are going off on their own. It's time to refocus on themselves and um, that it was a great opportunity while they're still, you know, still have a foundation and are still young enough to be able to, you know, make some changes that are really going to have a big difference in their traveling and really in the rest of their life and how they age as well. My grandparents traveled into their 80s on very active trips, and they're kind of an inspiration to me that, you know, they were able to go to Vietnam and walk in the Great Wall of China and, you know, go to Machu Picchu and all those things in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, you know, I hope to be able to do that too. So it's kind of selfish as well. (laughs) Keep myself motivated. Is that where you're thinking back to your grandparents? Is that where your sense of wanderlust? can sort of be traced back to hearing their stories, seeing their photos, that kind of stuff? Or is it just something that was innate to you? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell where it all came from, but I do remember sitting in the basement. My grandpa, my grandfather took a lot of pictures of when they traveled and um, that was back in the day of slides. And so he'd have slideshows <laughs> in the basement and he'd put the slide projector on and put the, put the pictures up on the screen and, it was, um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And at the time, I didn't necessarily have the appreciation for it that I do now. And I'm like, wow, that was really amazing. They just, they went all over the world and and really showed us all these amazing things. I remember getting gifts from them from, you know, Mexico and, you know, in the 70s and, mm. you know, all over the place. And it was it was really special. And uh, yeah, so I think that definitely is a big part of why I want to travel the world. Robin, have you ever seen one of those slide projector shows? Oh, yeah. You I have? have. Yeah. My my parents actually had a bunch of old slides and I would sit there and, and look at them. We never had a, oh, I guess we did have a projector at one point, but I would just sit there and like hold it up to the light and like each slide <laughs> and just like go through them by myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember my, some of my earliest <laughs> memories were at my grandparents' house, just you know going down on a Sunday night and having dinner, and then just sitting around for you know what felt like about four hours, but it might have been twenty minutes, you know, as a, as a six-year-old or whatever. But like watching all of these pictures on the slideshow, and they'd get out the the projector. It was, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. So Becky, you have talked to us in the past about this thing called the Eight Colors of Fitness. Can you tell our listeners what that is and then how you use that to personalize your programs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's just kind of a fun thing. I mean, it's a fun thing and a practical thing. So I, you know, I did not create this (laughs) to be clear. This is someone else's creation. But basically, take a quiz and ask you several questions about sort of your preferences and 
and how you think and how you interact with people, things like that. And um, it assigns you a color for uh, what your fitness personality is. And uh, this can help guide you in what kinds of activities you might enjoy, what kind of structure or lack of structure uh, might be good for you. Just kind of give you some guidance and a, a starting point, I guess, if you will, or a continuation point or an adjustment point based on how your personality fits in with exercise. So um, it's loosely based on Myers-Briggs and, you know, personality traits like introversion and extroversion and thinking, you know, sensing and intuitiveness, those sorts of things so that you can figure out if you're like a person who's going to be more of like a team exerciser where you really enjoy being part of a team and having, you know, games or events or things like that, that really focus you and motivate you. Or if you're more like an individual exerciser, mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, wants to go run the ultra marathon, maybe, um, or if you like a lot of structure or if you like a lot of in repetition, some people like a lot of structure and repetition, some people want more variety. And so the, yeah, the eight colors of fitness can kind of help you hone in on that a little bit. And Mm -hmm. then, so then we're not starting with, oh, I'm going to have you do the same workout every week when you really want variety Mm -hmm. or vice versa. And this is again, where experimentation comes into play too. And you know, you can look back at your life experience and and probably kind of figure some of those things out. But this is just another input to help guide you and give you some thoughts. Yeah. Yes. I think, Michael, you said you had, you had taken the quiz and you had a little aha moment when it was like, well, no wonder I'm not so crazy about the same doing the same routine because you're so curious. And I did take the eight colors of fitness and in and, and, and true to form, I came out as an INFJ, so I'm a purple dinosaur or something, but like I'm a purple, uh, f- and, and whatever that means. But the other, actually, <laughs> I think what you're referring to, Becky, we took uh, based on our, our conversation a few weeks ago with your workshop, I took the or was referring to the virtues in action assessment, I, for lack of a better word, that Seligman and the, the positive psychology movement have put together at the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I think what what really struck me in that was yeah. the fact that I was a lifelong learner and I was always very curious. And so getting into the same schedule yeah. each and every day and doing the same thing each and every day where I'm not adjusting and adapting and doing new things and bringing that in was a, a real epiphany and insight for me. Cause I'm like, well, no wonder I got bored real quickly. And then I want to do something else, but I don't know what to turn to like having a variety and doing different things on different days. And even if it is over a schedule of the course of a week, knowing that on Monday, I'm going to do this and Tuesday, I'm going to do that. And when that's helpful for me. And it was just a real eye opener. Like, yeah, if I could, if I can bring that approach to, yeah. to my health and fitness practice, anyone can bring that, that approach to their health and fitness practice. So I appreciate the, the use of these tools and assessments that you bring to this because it's not just what do you want and why, let's go tackle it. It's who are you and how do you operate and how do you think and what makes the most sense for you? And you're bringing that into this as well, which really my guess is and the point of this is that it increases the likelihood that this is sticky for them. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I do um, an initial and, and a constant really check in with people in terms of what are their strengths and what are their values and what are their preferences um, to bring to the table 
that can be, some people don't think of that in terms of their fitness routine. They think about it maybe in terms of their work life or their family life or the things that they do, you know, in other contexts, but really those, those inherent strengths and values that we have can influence how we approach our fitness practice. And Mm -hmm. When you infuse your fitness practice with those things that are already a part of who you are and how you best operate and what you enjoy, it just makes it more enjoyable. Yeah, you might not still love doing push-ups. I might still suggest that you do some (laughs) push-ups. But if you know that you only have to do 15 and you're done... Um, because that's, you know, kind of how your brain works and that you can reward yourself for that, then it makes it more tolerable and it makes it, you know, makes it more interesting. You know, again, I go back to like some people like a lot of structure and want to see the progression, Mm. um, of, you know, okay, I'm going to do this routine and I'm going to do it every week and I'm going to watch how many more reps I can do and how much more weight I can do. And, um, that's very rewarding to them because of that's how they're wired. So if I come to at them with something different every week, they just get frustrated because they're not really seeing that measurable progress. Um, So for those people, yeah, I mean, you know, we want to work on a very structured routine that they're going to see that progress. And uh, the flip side is a person who just loves the variety and wants to show up and do something different every week. And they know they're getting stronger and they know that they're improving just because, you know, how they're feeling. So that's a very different kind of client and is going to have a very different fitness practice Mm -hmm. who, and that's going to work much better for them. Whereas if I put that kind of person on a, you know, same, if they work on the same thing every week, they will just get bored Mm -hmm. and throw in the towel and, and be done with it. So that's why it's so important for people to understand and bring, you know, who they are as a person to their fitness practice instead of just, you know, showing up and saying, I have to get on the treadmill mm-hmm. for half an hour or I have mm-hmm. to show up and, you know, pump iron for however long. It's really important to to have that holistic approach. Yeah. And for people who are, are interested in this stuff, they can uh, go online to the eight uh, number eight, the eight colors of fitness.com. And then we can link to that in the show notes later too. Yeah. And to the, the values in action, um, strengths yep. as well. That's, you know, again, to Michael's point, that's an important component as well. And I also like to refer people to the Clifton strengths or strength strengths finder is another assessment or a kind of, um, tool that people can use if they're, maybe haven't explored or really thought very much about what kinds of things they're inherently good at or are drawn to and do well, because those things can really help. Mm-hmm. So Becky, I want to, I want to learn more. We've been talking a lot about like others yeah. and what they can do. I want to hear more about what you do. So what are some, mm-hmm. what are some of your key fitness practices that you live on a day-to-day basis? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I'm a mix it up kind of girl. Um, I, you know, I, God bless those people who go out and run every day. I just, I guess I'm more like, like I need to have a little more variety. And, um, so my, my routine is, is actually kind of seasonal as well, because if I can be doing something outside, I'll be doing something outside. So in the summer, it's a lot of, 
hiking, biking. Usually in the morning, I like I am a morning exerciser, not exclusively, but that, you know, that kind of was part of my corporate life too. Like if I didn't get up and get my workout Mm -hmm. in before I really started working, then I'd be too tired by the end of the day. And there was no way I was going to break away midday to, to go Mm -hmm. do something very Mm -hmm. rarely. But, um, and so, yeah, I spend a lot of time outside when I can and I, but I do, and this has become more of a a routine to add strength training, to include strength Mm -hmm. training two days a week, usually in the summertime, more in the winter. Um, when I and you have to be inside because it's cold and windy and I live in Colorado yeah. and it's icy and running on, you know, icy trails is not my thing. Yes, I snowshoe and I ski and, and do some other things too. But but in the winter, I tend to shift a little more towards, you know, strength building and um, those kinds of routines and, you know, some high intensity training. So usually three to four. Five days a week, I'll do 30 minutes to an hour or more on the weekends of, you know, aerobic exercise and two to three days a week, I'll do strength training and I should do more yoga and stretching. I've been trying. (laughs) I do that once a week, should be doing more of it. That's where I fall down. Nobody's perfect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, maybe there's someone who has a more perfect routine, but that's kind of where I, uh, I am focusing. I am doing more of that. I'm adding, I've been adding more stretching and kind of mindfulness at the end of my daily routine Mm. instead of that's for me, like more than half an hour is really a challenge for me in terms of doing, you know, yoga or stretching. Mm -hmm. I've done it. I, you know, I can do an hour can do 90 minutes. 90 minutes is almost like torture. (laughs) (laughs) So little bits are easier for me. And God bless those people who can do an hour and a half (laughs) and two hours of of yoga. Good for them. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you do to like stay motivated and stay on track with with your fitness practice on a day-to-day? Yeah, for me, it, it really is about like living a long, healthy life and being able to do the things that I really want to do is including travel and especially travel, which is why that dovetailed so nicely with my health coaching and and fitness Mm -hmm. practice to help others do that because it is a, I want to be able to explore and have new experiences and continue to, I want to learn and grow and continue to have more experiences and give back to my community. Mm-hmm. That's another big mm-hmm. piece. I do, you know, a fair amount of volunteering. I want to be able to just to be able to help people and give back and helping myself first and being healthy is so mm-hmm. important to being able to help others. Yeah, well said. What are some of the other we talk about health, you know, or fitness being a component of health? talking about meditation and diet, what are some of the other things mm-hmm. that you, that you do to live a, a more balanced and more mindful life? So I have recently expanded my um, stress management toolbox a little bit more into shorter, short meditations, you know, stretching, being more mindful um, when I'm just every in everyday mm-hmm. life. And um, I find that that helps keep my keep me on a more even keel and manage those 
<laughs> the crazy year that we've had, you know, been able to get better sleep lately, which has been really helpful. Not having an alarm go off at 530 in the morning is definitely mm-hmm. been helpful. <laughs> and and then just being uh, more thoughtful about what I commit to. That's been another big thing in, in my life. I will, I'm the person who wants to do everything all the time. I want to be everything to everyone and do everything all the time. I want to do all yeah. the cool things. I hear um, you. <laughs> and in terms of, you know, managing my mental health and uh, being able to just, it goes back to that intention and mindfulness and the why and trying to think through my commitments before I make commitments. That's been a, that's been a shift in the last probably 10 years in how I approach things. And then um, really cultivating the most important relationships in my life too, with my, my husband, my family, my parents, my sisters, good friends, that that helps me stay grounded and helps me stay grateful for everything that I do have. I like that. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that because the, when I think of health, you know, I, I guess my brain automatically goes more towards physical health, right? And so what am I eating? Am I sleeping enough? Am I exercising, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But, but just that last part that you mentioned about connectedness, connectedness to family and friends and, and the benefits that has to your mental health Right, uh, and emotional health, all of which predicates and can contribute right. to your physical health, right, and and well being. So that's a an interesting insight. Yeah, I mean the mental and physical, the mental health piece of it is huge, and I think if we've oh, maybe all gained a greater appreciation for that and for our relationships and social connections over the past years, that's been thrown out, you know, into such a disarray. Yeah, I'm a very social person. I'm definitely an extrovert and it's it's tough to not be around a big group of people all the time. So, uh, so finding different ways to do that and keep those connections strong. Relationships are just so important. So we want to be, speaking of being mindful, we want to be mindful of your, your time, Becky. So we want to um, start wrapping things up with a, just a few final questions for you. We're curious, what is your favorite book of all time and why? So what springs to mind is Oh, the Places You'll Go, Mm. maybe because of the travel theme, but um, I got it for high school graduation. Good old Dr. Seuss. I'm a Dr. Seuss kid for sure. And just, you know, the playfulness and the inspiration and the positive you know, spirit of that book, just like at you, you can go anywhere and do anything. I love that. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. What's the most memorable meal you've ever had? I guess um, my husband and I went to a pretty famous place in Virginia before we moved out to Colorado called the Inn at Little Washington. And it's out in the country and it's a five-star, or it was at the time, a five-star restaurant and it was just the whole experience of driving out way, you know, it's pretty far outside of DC, probably an hour or so 
in the Virginia countryside and having this beautiful meal, very attentive service, and just really like you're in a room full of people, but it was an intimate experience at the same time. And it was, um, it was really special. It was the, you know, the fanciest, best meal I'd had at that point in my life. So What's one thing you always bring with you when you travel? I always bring um, comfortable walking shoes because <laughs> we walk everywhere when we travel, my husband and I. And when I travel, I'm gonna, I love to explore. I just love to get up in the morning and walk around, whether we're in the city or in the countryside, wherever it is. I just like to get out and walk and kind of take in everything. So I have to have good walking mm. shoes. If you could go anywhere in the world, Right now, where would you go and why? Ooh, so many choices. I've just been dying to go to Australia for a really long time. And I don't know if it's the cute koala bears <laughs> or just the exoticness of the land down under. You know, just it's so appealing to me. I really am excited to explore Australia one mm. of these days. What's one thing that you've missed the most uh, during the pandemic? You know, I'll travel, but mostly just spending time with with friends and family yeah just really being able to be together with people that I love and who are so important to me and spending time with them it's been it's been the thing I miss the most what's one thing you've gained or learned during the pandemic well, I have learned to connect with people in ways other than in person <laughs> I guess we all have um, but <laughs> I guess that's maybe you just gain an appreciation for different ways of staying connected and different things to kind of stay in touch and really even got in touch with some friends that I didn't talk to as much because they lived in different places. So I really, so yeah, one of them, the things that I gained was an appreciation for staying in touch with people who I don't see face to face and how important that can be and how valuable that can be. It's not just about face-to-face -face time. Mm -hmm. It's really the other connections too. What do you love most about what you do? I love it when um, someone sees the positive changes, feels the positive changes that they've made, you know, when they're like, wow, I really feel stronger. Wow, I did that. Like, you know, not that they didn't think they could do it, but when they actually do the thing that they were hoping to be able to do. So like my one client, she, you know, went on a trip to the Philippines and she came back and she's like, it was great. I just felt like I had so much energy and I was able to do everything. And she, you know, the payoff was just huge and really noticeable to her. And I love that when the, when my mm. clients are happy and excited about what they've been able to do, that just is so rewarding to me. I love that. All right, Becky, last question. If you could go back 20 years and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Have the courage to take the steps that you want to take mm. sooner. Wish I'd done mm. this a lot sooner. Amen to that. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Glad exactly. that I am now. So mm -hmm. Becky, where can where can people find you? What's your website, email? How do people get in contact with you? Sure. Yeah. My uh, website is trailblazerwellness.com.
And there you'll find information about different ways that you can collaborate and work with me. And also I have a blog uh, with different articles and links out to podcasts like this and other things that I've done, videos, things like that to serve as, you know, inspiration, um, ideas, support, all kinds of things for that. So it's kind of a nice little hub for getting getting started and continuing in your journey. Um, I do have a, a Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash trailblazerwellness. And my email is becky, B-E-C-K-I at trailblazerwellness.com. Oh, people don't have to live in Salida to work with you. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. No, I I have clients. I have a client in Maine. I have clients. um, I had a client in New Mexico. Yeah, anywhere, really. I do health coaching in particular. I do uh, many times virtually. And even personal training has gone through a transformation over the last year to be be able to be done more virtually. Um, so yeah, but primarily on the health coaching side, it's uh, yeah definitely do Zoom or phone call, just whatever whatever the client prefers. Becky, thank you for for being here. Uh, it's great to have you on. It's great to hear your story and learn from you and and to have you share your wisdom. So thank you so much for that. Thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media at GoExplorerX. Shoot us an email at hello at explore-x.com. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks, Becky.